0: From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And the really exciting news about that is that I am actually a bud tender now. It may have been a long-standing dream. But I am into my second or third week of being a tender now, and I am having an absolute blast. As my wife says, I think this job was created just for you. Maybe I've been working towards this my entire life, and the universe has finally figured out a way to put me into that position. I'm having a blast, and I'm sure it's going to result in a a number of stories as we go along throughout time as well. Now, this week, I do not have a new strain for Cultivar Corner. So our focus is instead going to be on some other areas of education. In fact, something that we haven't touched on for a while. When I first started the podcast back in December, one of the original goals was I wanted it to be a resource for people new to cannabis coming in and they could find some relevant information and some useful information to help them head down that cannabis path. And I think I've mentioned that there's a, a particular couple of friends that we have been kind of advising as they have been introducing themselves to cannabis. So I found a story on leafly.ca that is 10 tips for first-time cannabis smokers. So that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about today. In addition to that, this is probably not a surprise to anybody, certainly not a surprise to me, but somehow the governments are surprised by the fact that they're not getting the cash cow from cannabis that they thought they would. Is that a surprise since... There are not very many stores open, or if there are, then the stores don't have much stock. Plus, another piece out of Manitoba, and I feel sorry for those cannabis users who live in Manitoba because you can't grow your own plants. And now they have some interesting ideas about packaging for cannabis. We'll talk about that. And then I think I'm going to delve back into the memory banks if I can initiate some of those memories and talk about it another time with our in-laws and the interesting discovery they made with our hot knives. So I'll tell you what, take that hit, hold it in, and let's get started with episode 15 of the Cannabis Podcast. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultivar corner, cultivar corner, oh. This stuff to me. Okay, that was kind of mean to me. <laughs> I'm using a new piece of gear to put the podcast together this week, and it allows me to have some of the various transition pieces all lined up. I hit the wrong button there. I don't actually have a new cultivar to talk about this week, but there's no harm. In playing that jingle, because I still like the sound of that, I will get to know which buttons are for which pieces a little bit better. So I apologize for that little tease. I truly didn't mean to tease you about that. So the first thing I wanted to talk about today was the article from leafly.ca with advice for first-time cannabis smokers. And as I have mentioned already, there is a couple who lives in the same area as we do, And we've been kind of, my wife and I have been kind of their guide down the whole cannabis introduction. I think it's very applicable as I go through this particular article, I'm just going to relate to how that compares to what our experience has been, and hopefully that'll be some value to somebody who's also just coming in and new to cannabis and wants to get the best experience the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth time they try it. I'm assuming you'll be back for more. So, what I'm going to do is take some of the headlines that are in this article, and then I'm going to take what I perceive as the value in that, in my own words, and you can get the article's intent by reading the article. I, of course, will have that posted back on CannabisPodcast.com underneath the episode. So, the first headline is, Be Prepared to Not Get High. And this is a reality. This is a reality that I discovered, again, when talking with our friends when they first gave cannabis a try, they found that he got high pretty well right away. Had some impact. The cannabis was having an impact, but in her, not so much. And I think that is one of the things you're going to experience, regardless of your experience level. The first time you come into it, you may not experience, for one reason, you might not know what you're expecting to find. I find that people who have been immersed in the cannabis news, and by that I mean the reefer madness news where these, all these weird ideas about what cannabis does, have just this bizarre idea about what cannabis intoxication is. And so when they first experience it, it's not what they were thinking and they don't think that they got high. So be prepared. That is their first advice and the first headline, be prepared to not get high. Now their second point is one that is true. So, so true. In fact, as we were dealing with our friends, we went over for dinner one night, and we were sharing the vaporizer after dinner, and one of the things I noticed that it didn't look like she was really inhaling, not only deep enough, nor long enough. And so I mentioned it over the the course of the evening, and I guess that's one of the things that she has adjusted and is now reportedly achieving some sense of high. So that's the second rule. If you intend to get high from smoking cannabis, or at least feel some of that psychoactive nature, you do have to inhale it, and you do have to hold that inhale in for a while. Now, the next point that they raise in this article, they have the title of hydrate like an athlete, in the sense that you're trying to prepare yourself so that the next morning you don't have any issues from your cannabis imbibing the night before. I haven't truly ever really experience what I would call a cannabis hangover. Of course, I had them when I used to drink, but in regards to cannabis, I wake up the next morning and it's just another morning. So I'm not sure that I would get the sense of, of what they're talking about in that, but you can look at what the author has to say and see the direction they're heading. Now the other piece that they advise in the next heading is choose your peace wisely. And by piece they're referring to how are you going to imbibe your cannabis. Again, another very, very valid point. As mentioned before, our friends have decided that vaporizing is the way to go. Neither one of them is a smoker and don't want to become smokers, so I understand that. They first chose a vaporizer that they found wasn't really powerful enough to handle lasting for a session for them. I understand that they have just updated to a vaporizer of a more powerful nature, and they're having a much more pleasing experience with that. So that's one way. Another way, of course, is for those who do want to smoke, rolling a joint. I'm surprised. That's one of the discoveries I made this week with my job as a bud tender. And how many people don't know how to roll a joint? And they need a rolling machine in order to do that, which I find just astounding, I guess, because I was the guy who was always sitting there over in the corner. People would throw their bags at me and say, roll. And... I would just roll. I guess I became really, really good at that. So whether you're going to roll a joint, whether you're going to do a vaporizer, or maybe you're going to use a bong. Bong is something that I haven't used for a long, long time. used to use it all the time. I guess, I don't know why we moved Well, I guess we moved to vaporizer. That's why we moved away from the bong. Or maybe you're even going to do a dab. And that's one point to raise that if you are going to, especially as a first time imbiber, I'm not suggesting a dab would be the best choice. And the reason is that the THC level is so high in the concentrates anywhere 60% or higher of THC, going up as high as 90% as I've seen in some of the concentrates. So I think your first bet is probably, your or your first best bet is probably to use either a vaporizer or roll a joint. And that way you can also control how much you imbibe by how many tokes you take. Now, the next point of the article on leafly.ca <laughs> involves the whole concept of, the headline for it, by the way, is download a food courier app. And what they're getting at is that horrible feeling when you've just imbibed some cannabis, you're feeling really good, you got the happy eyes, and you suddenly get an urge for something you don't have in the house. And your first inclination is to go out and get that something that you don't have in the house. But of course, if you've just recently heavily imbibed in cannabis, that's probably not a good idea. So the point of this article is download a food courier app or anything else that you can check out online and get delivered to you so you don't have to go out into the big nasty world and worry how they're going to respond to this stoned person coming in not too clear about what they want to eat. And the next point that they raise in the article is, and this is again very, very valid, clear your schedule. Don't use your first time to imbibe cannabis on the night that you're expecting your boss and his wife to come over for dinner, or you're expecting the in-laws to arrive suddenly. Anything that could interfere with your experience likely will, so schedule around it. Plan it for a time that works really well for you. And then the next point that they raise in the article is one that I think deserves a lot of attention because the headline is, never smoke with sketchy people. There's a number of ways you can interpret the term sketchy there. How I interpret it is those people who you come across at many times in your life that just rub you the wrong way. Doesn't matter what you say or or what they say. For some reason, it's like oil and water. You two just do not mix. Those are not the people you should be sharing your first cannabis experience with they are likely not going to be the ones who are going to give you the encouragement, the knowledge, and the understanding that you need to truly enjoy the experience because it truly can be an enjoyable experience when you've got the right people around you. And that comes to another point raised in the article that develop your tribe. Figure out who are the people that have similar ideas to you. You will find, I am sure as I have, that those who are involved in the cannabis community in any sense have a sense of family. We all have the same desire. We all love this marvelous little plant in whatever ways we love it and the value and benefit it brings to our individual lives. And we enjoy sharing that information. So get out there, develop your tribe, and share all of the joy with this wonderful plant as you experience for the first or the second time. I hope that gives you a bit of a sense of some of the things to keep in mind the first time you look to imbibe. You'll find all the details and a a different tact on many of those headlines if you read the article on Leafly.ca. I put the article underneath the episode, back on CannabisPodcast.com. From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Now, one thing I read in the news this week that I was not surprised at at all... (laughs) But surprisingly, the governments are. And that is that recreational cannabis is not the cash cow that the government hoped it was going to be. This is from an article on the National Post, most of these details. It's an opinion piece, and it starts off with, BC, the only province so far to disclose its excise tax revenues, had expected $50 million this year. Yeah, (laughs) it'll be lucky if they get $3 million this year. You can check out the article, again, underneath the episode on CannabisPodcast.com that I'm going to be referencing as we go through this discussion. Michael J. Armstrong is the author of this article in the National Post, and he starts off saying, this month the federal government sent the first cannabis excise tax payments to the provinces, but almost none of the amounts were disclosed, likely because the checks were smaller than officials had expected. But perhaps it's also because medical cannabis clients think that taxes are unfair. Well, British Columbia was the only province so far to disclose its excise tax revenues, they were $1.3 million from October to December 2018. They had expected that to be $50 million total this fiscal year. Now likely they'll be lucky if it gets to $3 million. Other provinces haven't even disclosed their receipts. Manitoba didn't even mention cannabis revenues in last week's budget. But Michael suggests that there are other ways to estimate pot tax revenues using other data, like, for example, the federal government's share. Health Canada data shows that producers sold 20.3 tons of medical cannabis last quarter. Now, they also apparently shipped 42 tons of recreational cannabis to distributors. The federal cannabis excise tax portion is 0.25 cents per gram, or 2.5% of wholesale value, whichever is higher which implies that Ottawa received some $16 million in excise taxes last quarter. And during that period, Statistics Canada says legal cannabis sales totaled $307 million. The 5% federal goods and services tax would have generated some $15 million from that, which suggests that Ottawa earned about $31 million in GST and excise taxes on cannabis last quarter. Now, looking at, at a chart that Michael Armstrong provided in this National Post article, We see the estimates of pot tax revenue across the country. Newfoundland, 2.5 million. Nova Scotia, 6.2 million. PEI, 1.1 million. New Brunswick, 3.3 million. Quebec, 14 million. Ontario, and I don't know how they figured it was going to be this big, at $22 million with only online access. Manitoba, 2.6 million. Saskatchewan, 1.2 million. Alberta was 10 million. And BC, 2.24 million. I'm sorry, but for me, I don't see why they thought this was ever going to be a huge revenue stream when they do not have the revenue outlets to support that stream. I mean, look, Ontario still doesn't have any of their stores. They're supposed to be ready for April 1st. Online is the only access. Not everybody wants to buy their pot online. Same thing with BC. October 17th is when it was legalized. We are now March in the middle of March, the Ides of March, and we have 13 recreational store licenses that have been announced in the province. That's it. And still only one government liquor store. or sorry, one government cannabis store. How do they figure that they're going to get any of these revenues that they thought if they don't have the access to the cannabis? For goodness sakes, government, smarten up. If there's one area of this legalization process that, as you can tell, I am not terribly impressed, it's that. And we face the same thing here in the city of Kelowna. They're expecting tax revenues, but their process to get the stores open is so long and so involved. The real worry now is that the people that have been in that process have spent so much time and spent so much money that now they're at the risk of losing that money because they just can't wait any longer for these licenses to be released. I don't understand why it takes so long. That's one of the things I'm going to have to see if I can investigate a little further. So there you go. That's one of the looks that we are talking about today on how the government is surprised that they're not getting the boosted revenues they thought they would get with legalization. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture one token at a time. This is the Cannabis Podcast. Now along that side of things, the other thing that I found truly bizarre this year, or this week, was a tweet that I saw from Dana Larson in regards to what's happening in Manitoba. Well, you may or may not believe this. We already have identified that Manitoba is a very difficult place if you are a cannabis user. My sympathies to those who are living in Manitoba where you are not able to grow your own cannabis. But now, Based on a report that is out, they're looking at new legislation, which is going to limit the possession of cannabis to 30 grams, and so recreational cannabis, grown or home-grown cannabis will be virtually outlawed. And secondary to that, they're suggesting that only legally federally regulated packaging would be allowed. I mean, this is totally bizarre, but frankly, not a surprise since we already know that Manitoba doesn't want you to grow cannabis at home. So, as Dana is pointing out in his tweet, effectively, Manitoba is banning cannabis that's not in government packaging. So, in other words, no possession of homegrown would be allowed. Well, the question I need to ask is anybody who's cre- creating this bill actually used cannabis or had anything to do with the federally regulated packaging? <laughs> if there is a topic that has come up Time and time again, in my job as a bud tender, it has been the legal packaging, especially in our case, coming from the BC Cannabis Store. I mean, we've talked about it before. The packaging is absurd. There's so much of it. So much plastic. And as we uncovered in an episode, two or three episodes ago, storing your cannabis in plastic is not the best way to retain the wonderful terpenes in your cannabis, And yet, this is what the province of Manitoba is thinking about doing. Wow. Just another example, frankly, in my opinion, of the weird, bizarre twists and turns that are happening with legalization that I thought was going to be so much more, but there is still so much stigma associated to cannabis, obviously, especially in the province of Manitoba. So we'll keep our eyes on that and let you know what happens with Manitoba and their only allowing cannabis in federally regulated packaging. That's the proposal. Oh, wow, it just keeps getting weirder. And one of the last things that I wanted to talk about today was to relate another story that happened years ago with previous cannabis use. And in this case, actually the compressed version of cannabis, another story related to my in-laws. Already kind of indicated in some previous stories that I was the black sheep who removed one of their daughters (laughs) from underneath their realm. And I don't think that they ever really truly appreciated that, especially when they started to suspect that this black sheep might imbibe in cannabis. (laughs) And I'm not sure I tried to hide it, anyways. But this was a time when they came to visit and. What we used to do, and I'm sure many of you did as well, was use hot knives for smoking some hash. Now, of course, you still can't get hashish legally, and um, you can probably get it on some of the black market places that are available these days. Back in the day, of course, it was illegal then, but we still imbibed in it, and hashish was a very nice treat. And just in case you're not sure of what hashish is, It is a compressed form of cannabis where they take all those wonderful trichomes filled with terpenes and flavonoids and extract those and compress it into a brick shape and many, many more times powerful in terms of the THC content than regular cannabis, very similar to the extracts, the shatters and such of today. But back in the day, hashish is what we had. And one of the ways we consumed that was through hot knifing. You would take two kitchen knives, stick them underneath the blades of an element while they heated up to a glowing heat, (laughs) and then you would take a small piece of your hashish, put it onto a cutting board that you, of course, used for that particular purpose because it would get burns, and then at the appropriate time you would take the knives off, place the knives, and compress that piece of hashish between those two knives well, somebody was ready with a paper towel roll to inhale all of that wonderful hashish. That was hot knifing. Occasionally you would have an error, as I'm sure many of you have experienced as well, with one of those knives that it might slip and hit somebody, but fortunately those were rare. And I was reminded of this story when I again was thinking of my in-laws visiting one time. My father-in-law came across these two knives in the, the cupboard. I guess he was setting the table or something. We kind of kept them off to the side, but I don't know whether it is about in-laws. They tend to be snoopy. (laughs) And he found these, and he pulled them out, and he said, what the heck did you do to these knives? (laughs) I kind of looked at my wife and was hoping that she was going to come up with some brilliant solution as to what the purpose was. And I stumbled for a bit, and I think she actually did throw out something about me doing woodworking or something, and, and the that was required. But it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then, to add to that, he then, and I'm still not sure how he came across it, he then somehow found the cutting board, which we used to do the odd knifing on. And needless to say, this cutting board was scorched from top to bottom on one side with a number of interestingly similarly sized burn marks. Oddly enough about the size of the end of a kitchen knife, and there were numerous of them. Well, my father-in-law was really good with working with wood. I mean, he built the house that they lived in from scratch and maintained it and worked with wood on a daily basis. So I guess seeing this marred and burned cutting board was like a challenge to him, and he wanted to take it home with him. He he wanted to take it back with them so that he could properly restore it, finish it fully, and then send it back to us. <laughs> While we appreciated the offer and the, the genuine nature with which it was offered, I didn't want to have a bunch of varnish on the, on this cutting board when we were using it for hot knifing because I didn't want to inhale that. So we had to gently decline the offer and, you know, suggest, thank you very much, but no, we'll, we'll get by with, with what we have. And I guess he didn't look around at our cupboards anymore after that. I <laughs> guess he, he realized that he's not too sure exactly what he's going to find. So if there is ever a time that you think that there's something that we should be sharing or some information, let us know at info at cannabispodcast.com. Same thing that goes if you have somebody you think we should interview and have a chat with. In fact, I'm trying to line up again a couple of interviews. One really interesting that I hope I'm going to do tomorrow. I'll just tease you with that. The plan is to do the interview tomorrow, and it should be ready for next week. And we will likely dig up another cultivar, so instead of just teasing you with the introduction, we'll actually do another cultivar corner. That brings us to the conclusion of episode 15 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis-Infused Studio. High above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin. And I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.